0: So tonight we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. Okay, the fruit of the spirit is something that you may have heard a lot about if you grew up in the church. Uh, Maybe something that you have no idea what I'm talking about. The fruit of the spirit is, is, is this list of attributes in Paul's letter to the church in Galatia uh, that, that basically describe what a Christian should look like. And so tonight that's what we're going to be looking at. We, if you're a note taker, there's going to be sort of a simple outline. What are the fruit of the spirit? Uh, Why are they important, and how do we experience the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? So uh, look at your handout, uh, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, is our scripture passage this morning. I'm going to read the whole passage for us, and then pray, and then we'll begin. This is God's Word. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have brought us here tonight to this room. And people coming here from all different places on campus, a wide range of experiences, good days, bad days, blah days. Some People received great news about summer internships. Some people uh, received heartbreaking news. Some people are not feeling well. And God, we thank you that you have brought us here to be encouraged by your word. You tell us that your word does not return to you void, that it always accomplishes its purposes, that it never comes back to you empty, that it's sharp, that it's like a a sword, that it will divide our hearts. And so we pray that that will happen tonight by your Spirit, not the words that I say, but your word through me, a sinner. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered how plants from all over the world exotic types of varieties end up in one particular garden? Probably not. It's okay if you haven't. The answer is plant hunters. Now, you may have a new idea for a summer job or an occupation. You might be going to the career center at some point and looking this up, but plant hunters has been an occupation and a passion of many people for centuries. The most famous plant hunter, according to the book Plant Hunters, was Sir Joseph Banks. And in the 18th century, Sir Joseph Banks got on a boat with Captain Cook and went around the world. And while Captain Cook was doing his sailing, charting stuff, he was grabbing cool-looking plants and bringing them onto the boat. And he went on several expeditions with all of Britain's best explorers just so that he could take these amazing, exotic plants from all over the world and put them in the King's Garden in London. And uh, the book, The Plant Hunters, which is a thrilling read, uh, says that that Sir Joseph Banks set up a systematic, worldwide plant hunting program that brought 7,000 species of plants into habitats they would have never have reached. Now, as we as we tonight look at what are the fruit of the Spirit and why do they matter and how do we experience them in our lives, I love this image of Sir Joseph Banks, this man that is passionate about exotic plants. And he's going across the world to bring them into one place and with a special botanist-like care is weaving them into the soil and doing the hard work of organic you know grafting in these foreign things to a modern garden and he's doing it simply to please the king So that's kind of the working paradigm I want you to as as we look at these fruit of the Spirit tonight. So what are the fruit of the Spirit? We have these lists of attributes that we read in Galatians chapter 5. You have bad stuff in verses 19 through 21, right? See the list of all these things. You're kind of like, ugh, okay. And then you look at the other stuff in 22 through 24, and you have the good stuff. And what I think is most uh, natural when you see like a long list of things like this in the scriptures is you sort of go into inventory checking mode, like right away, right? You're kind of like, sorcery? Nope. Don't do that. I'm good there. Uh, then you're like, oh, divisions. You know, fits of anger, drunkenness. Well, not perfect. Let me let me go to the next list. Okay, so goodness. Like, I'm I'm pretty good. Like, I'm a good guy, right? Not one of the, Not a bad guy. And then you're like, uh, joy. I'm joyful sometimes. Peace, patience. Now, as we look over these fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, I don't know about you, but for me, this doesn't really describe uh, the college campus. These, these attributes of peace and patience and self-control is not exactly like the, um, the way that I would describe the typical college student. It wouldn't be how I would describe myself. And I think the point of this is uh, that these attributes are not natural to us. We had a student at Duke that came back from studying abroad uh, this semester, and she was in Madrid. Some of you may have studied there. And, you know, she's just loving the siesta culture where, like, the shops are closing down after lunch, and people are uh, just taking naps, and, all, and you can't even go, you can't go and buy things at certain times of the day. And then she comes back to Duke, and she says, like, as soon as she steps on campus, she just feels the stress. And that might be you when you come back from... Winter break, or when you come back from taking the summer off and you come to campus, and all of a sudden, you know, it's how was break? Yeah, break was good. And then you just start thinking about all that you have to do, everything that comes next. So, I think it's important for us to realize that the, the fruit of the Spirit are not something that are natural within us, they have to come from outside. These are not indigenous plants to the garden of our heart. But the good news is, according to the story of the Bible, that Uh, God will, through his Spirit, start to uproot these kind of false unbeliefs in our heart and put in the fruit of the Spirit over time. Now, you may not know this. I love what John said at the beginning about the nature of the gospel, how, how we come as we are. But you may not know that the gospel is not simply the forgiveness of sins. If somebody was to ask you, what is the gospel? You might say something like, well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that's certainly true. That's, that's the core of the gospel, that Jesus uh, suffered for the sins that, that, that we committed, and so we don't have to experience that kind of suffering. But that's not the end of the story of the gospel. Jesus has saved you from your sins, but he's actually turning you into something more beautiful. It's a it's a rags to riches story where he rescues you in your brokenness and in your wandering and in your suffering and he's not just giving you a fresh start he's bringing you into his family he's making you a child of the king he's turning you into, into a prince or a princess with a kingdom and he's going to transform you into something beautiful this is the this is the story of the gospel this is where it's taking us and so so. The question is, well, what does that that look like? What does it look like for us to be transformed and and how do we know if we're experiencing it? Well, that's where the fruit of the Spirit come into play. Two things to understand the fruit of the Spirit I think is important for you to know is what they're not. The fruit of the Spirit are not to be confused with our personalities. The fruit of the Spirit are not uh, sort of our baseline temperamental dispositions. You know, you may know a particular bubbly person, and think like, oh, that person has joy. Like, extroversion and joy are not the same thing in God's economy. Uh, you may know a person that's really easygoing and chill, and you're like, okay, they have peace. Well, that is a different kind of peace than the, the biblical peace that understands that God is on the throne, and he loves me, and he rules over the world, and uh, he has what's best for me in mind. Those are, those are completely different things. So, uh, Trapp mentioned uh, we have seven children at his house right now between the two of our families. They all sort of come out of the womb, right, with very different dispositions, personalities, whether it, and people have different theories of this, nature or nurture or attachment theory or whatever it is. And the, the point is the fruit of the Spirit shouldn't be confused with our personalities. The other thing they shouldn't be confused with, the fruit of the Spirit are different than the gifts of the Spirit. You may have taken like a spiritual gifts test at some point in your life to try to figure out like, what am I good at? And the, and the gifts of the Spirit are really important because the gifts of the Spirit are ways that God has uniquely blessed you so that you can serve the community of God's people. So for those of you here in RUF, like, God has given you gifts, and he wants you to use those gifts to encourage each other to serve each other and that 's a beautiful thing and there's a there's a beauty in the diversity of the giving of god 's gifts from the spirit, but that's very different than the the gifts of the the gifts of the spirit are very different than the fruit of the spirit um, <clears throat> you think about the gifts of the spirit and it's like you're trying to figure out your own little who you are and it 's like an identity thing right so Uh, The spiritual gifts test used to be a big thing, and it was, like, really novel for us to, like, take these tests. And now, like, that's, like, the main purpose of the Internet is to take tests about yourself, right? So you're like, what breed of dog am I? You know, what character on Friends am I? It's like, so I'm sure you know, like, what you're good at. You know your Enneagram score. You know what your wing is or what not your wing is. Are you and your roommate fight about if you have a wing or what number are you? So we all want to know who we are, but sometimes we miss understanding that God actually wants all of us to sort of uniformly be manifesting these attributes of Christian character. And that's not a word that we throw around very much today. It's not a word I confess I tend to think about much today. What is is what is my character? And is it reflective of who Jesus has called me to be and his work in my life? Am I Am I really becoming patient and kind and gentle? And understanding that uh, God wants his people to exhibit all of these fruit of the Spirit helps me, me not, not trick myself to think, like, I can opt out of the, the gentle thing because, like, I've got this kind of cool sarcastic sense of humor going, and I like the gentleness thing is, like, going to kind of not work with that. So that's what the fruit of the Spirit are. There's this... this idea of God working in you, the supernatural thing that's not indigenous to your personality or to a special gift that you have, but God and his spirit is doing something in you. And that's really cool to think about, that God is working by his spirit in you and actually changing you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that, like, you can't change. God is in the business of changing people. That's what the gospel's about. So why is the fruit of the spirit important? Second point. The good news of Christianity, as I said before, is this rags-to-riches story. Another way to think about it is it's a resurrection story. Paul wrote this letter in Galatians 5, and and throughout a lot of his letters, he's talking about the new life in Christ is that you were dead. You You were completely dead in your sins, and then by God's grace, you've been brought alive, and you've been given new life and new birth, and it's this radical transformation well fruit are important because fruit is fundamental to aliveness for a plant the way you know if a plant is healthy and flourishing and alive is is it bearing much fruit so in this way it it the fruit of the spirit it confirms if you struggle with doubt if you struggle with well I, my parents believe and I like was baptized at one point and I I made a profession, like some semesters I'm kind of into the Christian thing, some semesters I'm not. Like if you wonder, where are you? As you see over time God working in you, this this fruit of the Spirit, then that's actually a confirmation to you that, no, God really is at work in you. He really loves you. He's going to finish the work He's begun. And so as you experience this change in your life, it's confirmation that you're alive. Now, I think we're guilty of using the wrong metrics all the time for a healthy or mature Christian. You know, it's, how, have you been on a missions trip? Or how much do you know about the Bible? Are you a Bible memory, like, wizard? Like, we, we wonder, you know, who, who are the most mature Christians? And I think the answer that, that Paul is giving here is actually, he was speaking into that in his day. The context of the church in Galatia was there were these two groups in the church. And you have to remember this is, you know, early on, decades, you know, only decades after Jesus has lived and died and these New Testament churches are trying to figure out, okay, well, how do we, what does it look like to be a mature Christian? And there was this group called the Judaizers that were Jewish heritage people. And they were like, well, you know, we've been the people of God for 2,000 years. Like, welcome to the party, other people. And they, they had all these extra things that they wanted the church in Galatia to do. All these Jewish signs and customs and other things. And the, and the other group, the Gentiles, any non-Jew, it's called a Gentile, they're like, well, why do I, we don't have to do these things. And Paul is writing to this church and he's sort of speaking into this issue, and he's almost sidestepping it by saying, "Like, you, know, you want to know what a, a real Christian looks like? You want to know what, a, what, what it looks like to grow in your faith and maturity? And then he says, the, you know, here are the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like, These are the attributes of somebody that is growing in Christ. Now, the second... So it confirms your aliveness. The other reason that they're important, that the fruit of the Spirit should be important to us, uh, is that it, it authenticates our witness. And what I mean by that is, imagine, imagine Elon Musk. He wants to send you in one of his SpaceX rockets to Mars. And you're like, okay, I'm in. And uh, you know, he, he puts you in there. He shoots you to Mars. If he finally figures out the technology. You show up there and there's this Martian person there, person, Martian life form there, and who's, you know, personable enough to be able to have a conversation with you. So, and he's like, okay, this Martian, of course, is like kind of getting to know you a little bit, and you're like, I'm a Christian. Is it like, cool? What's that? So then the Martians are coming back to Earth. This is hypothetical. This isn't. This didn't really happen. <clears throat> the Martians are coming back to Earth. And they're asking you, okay, well, you're a Christian. I want to find more people like you. How do how do we find you? Now, you're. If it was me, I'd be like, okay, well, there's this day of the week where there's this like these large buildings or like sometimes cool like warehouses, and people like a bunch of people like come in and they're all they're wearing khaki pants. Like everybody's wearing khaki pants, and they'll kind of come in in their uniform, uh, and they. They start singing, and like that's not normal on Earth, like people don't just stand around and sing, and so look for that, and they might have like these little cups of wine or juice, and if you see that, you know like you've, you've found Christians, and the Martians like, "Yeah, it's a really good idea, but our, our spaceship doesn't work on Sundays, like we don't have that kind of technology yet. Ah. And so what would you do right? I mean, if you said, well, I guess like this is what. The Bible says Christians are supposed to look like love. Go find people that are loving and joyful, that are experiencing peace, that are really controlling themselves, uh, that are gentle. Go find those people. Of course, the question I think that's convicting for me is, would I be able to be identified? Do I look any sort of different than anybody else on planet Earth with how I live, with what I care about, with how I act, with a sort of peace or... I experience the way my relationships are with other people. It's really convicting. and I think it's a, it's a call for us to be humble as we pursue growth in the Christian life. Like, we don't have it all figured out. We are going to make mistakes. We're rough around the edges, but God is wanting to do this amazing work in us as we come to him by faith. Now, it's, it's been said that nothing commends the gospel like a transformed life. So the fruit of the Spirit matters not only for you, so that you can know that you're alive, so that you can make sure that you actually are what you say you are, but also the, the change that happens in you by your faith will be contagious and noticeable to other people. Think about it. How, how, do, you, how do we know Jesus is real? Like, were you there? Did you, you know, did you did you get to touch his side like Thomas? Do you, you know, how do you really know? How do you know that this is a real story? This is a real thing. This is not just made up. And there's lots of things you could say to that. He's given us his word, which is maybe the, the number one answer to that. But the other, the other thing that's over and over again the testimony of Scripture is, we know Jesus is real because we see Jesus changing people. We see Jesus changing us, and true, true transformations. The the apostles when they were around Jesus started going out and sharing his message, and what they what they said was, you know, we've been with this guy Jesus, and and we're different. Like we we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. He's he's changed us. The person that wrote this letter used to persecute Christians and now he's planting churches and encouraging them. He's been transformed by God. I mean, do you ever do you ever think about like what the rest of the campus thinks about RUF at UT? It's like kind of a terrifying thought exercise, right? Like what what do they what do they see? And what if what if this room was known by a people that were really Marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Like, what if what if this room just exuded Christ-like joy and character? Now, there was a uh, an, a Hindu professor in, in India, and he noticed he noticed through conversation that there was a, a student in his his classroom that was Christian, and he called him into his office. And this uh, student was talking with him and he asked him if he was a Christian and the student said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And the the professor looked at him and he said, if you Christians actually acted like Christ, India would be at your feet tomorrow. That if you, and and that changed his life forever. That if those that profess faith in Jesus actually were so caught up into who Jesus was, that he began to do this renewing work in their life, that it would be so profound that that all of India, that all of UT, that everybody would just see, wow, like Jesus, Jesus is real. There's something going on with this gospel news. This message really is good. So if that, you know, another way to think about this is if that same Martian invader, uh, said, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me find the founder of this movement. We've got time travel technology. We're Martians. So, you know, we can't be too exact, but 2,000 years-ish. Going back, how do I find the guy that started this Christian thing? Now, if you were to give him that same list of the fruit of the Spirit, he actually would be able to find Jesus of Nazareth. Because what you, what you see when you really look at the fruit of the Spirit closely is that this is really a character sketch of our Savior. That Jesus was perfectly all of these things. That he had a kind of love that truly was otherworldly. That he was gentle and patient with people. That he was completely at peace where he said, I'm, I came to do the will of the Father, not my own will. Where, where he uh, was in control of his self and his desires. And he, he was disciplined but also joyful. And it's, it's amazing. So... If Jesus is that way, how can we as his followers, as those that are curious about who Jesus is, as those that want to know more about this Christianity thing, like how can we get into that action? Well, uh, there's a clue. We didn't read this part of Galatians, but there's a clue in the earlier part of the letter where Paul is talking to this church. And now you've got to remember, Paul is the one that has sort of planted this church, set up this church, and then he's gone. And so he's writing letters to them. He's trying to encourage them. And he says, I'm in anguish. I'm like in labor pains, he says, which is intense. Uh, I'm I'm really struggling for this to work. And what he says is his prayer for the church in Galatia is that Christ be formed in you. That's what he wants. That's what, he want, that's what He wants you to understand that part of the gospel. He wants us to understand that part of the gospel, that Christ will not only rescue us from our sins, but because we're so connected to Christ, that we're united to him by our faith, that he will give us everlasting life, which starts now. It's not, it's not something that happens necessarily. It is something that happens when you die, but it begins now. His spirit is inside of you. There was a pastor named William Temple who told this story, and he said, you know, it's, it's no good giving me like a, a play, like a copy of King Lear or, you know, Othello, and saying, write, write a play like Shakespeare. Like, here's, here's some examples. Do this. Because he's like, I, I don't have the genius of Shakespeare." and he said the same way showing me Jesus and being like wow there was this amazing man that lived 2000 years ago he was god and he became man and he did everything perfect do that like he's like that doesn't that doesn't help that isn't that's not that's not something that actually is something that i could do it's not a thing and he said but if somehow You could put like the genius of Shakespeare inside of me. Like if I was just like boss at sonnets, then maybe like I could do it. And if you were able to just put Jesus' character, his spirit inside of me, then maybe I could do it. And amazingly, like this this is the best news of the gospel. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. Through the fruit of the Spirit. He's putting his spirit in you. Paul says, I want Christ to be formed in you. So let me ask you have, have you asked God? Have you never thought to do this before? Have you asked God to grow in some of these areas? I want you to do a little bit of homework tonight, R U F homework, and look over this list. And, and you can't, like, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, you can't force yourself, like, be more joyful. That doesn't work, right? But as you scan over it, you might think, you know, this particular attribute, love, um, you know, if, if if I really believe that Christ has loved me, like I should be able to love my roommate better or that person that I had a falling out with. Because for me to say I don't love that person is really for me to say, God, I don't love you enough to love that person. And I should really be able to have peace knowing that even though I don't know my future, I worship a God who is all-knowing and all-loving, and he's not going to hold out on me. So I want you to do some some soul-searching and and also to, to ask for it, right? The Bible says that God will give wisdom to any who ask. It's God's will for us to be sanctified, he tells us. He wants us to be more like Jesus. This is part of his saving work. Ask him that you will start to, your character will start to look like the list in Galatians 5, the second list. Ask that he will transform you. Now, it's, it's pretty clear that Sir Joseph Banks loved plants. He spent a lot of time on ships just like so he could dig up little plants. He was into them, but even if he was so passionate about all these foreign exotic plants, he could never have done What he did, he could never have brought 7,000 different exotic species into the king's garden in London if he wasn't commissioned by the king, who had all the resources and the ability and the vision and the plan and the ships and the men to do it. The reason he was able to pull off the project was because it was the delight of the king to have a beautiful garden. And that's the delight of our king. Like, Jesus wants us to represent him and make this world more beautiful. He wants us to be so much like him that we have all of these 150 people walking around UT that are just exuding the love and joy and peace of Christ to this campus. And that's God's delight. And that's that's God's delight for you. You can change. You really can. Ask him for it there was an Anglican pastor named John Stott who every day prayed that he would grow in the fruit of the Spirit, every single day. And you know, when he died, people remarked that he was the most godly man they ever knew. So I'm gonna to close tonight as the music team comes back up with, with a prayer. You can Google this later if you'd like to um, repeat it. But I'm gonna pray the, the prayer of John Stott that he prayed daily regarding the fruit of the Spirit uh, to close us tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that be true of all of us in this room for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.